Our scripture this morning comes from the first chapter of Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all these people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea in the west shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall put these people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my Moses, that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. <clears throat> For then, You shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ms. Marlene. My name is Rob Lau. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Have you ever thought about what the first line of your obituary will read. Some of you are saying, no, but now I am, thanks, right? Uh, here's, here's what I hope the first line of my obituary does not say. Rob Lau passed away this Tuesday, having <clears throat> pastored Ebenezer United Methodist Church for 60 years. During, <clears throat> during which time... Uh, to the glory of God and by the work of those great people, everyone in the Commonwealth of Virginia confessed faith in Jesus Christ and joined Ebenezer Church. That is not what I hope the first line of my eulogy will be. I hope it's the second line of, of my obituary. <clears throat> what I want the first line of my obituary to read is this. Rob Lau passed away on Tuesday, having loved his wife and his children with excellence. That's what I want my, my obituary to say. If I get to be good at one thing in this world, I want to be a good husband and daddy. But here's the irony of it, right? Is that if I just take inventory of what I I kind of my natural talents are, that stuff's at work, right? My my passion, my talent, they come together around the church. I love church people. I love church theology. I love the head of the church, our Lord Jesus Christ. I love church. I'm like a fish in water at church. I'm good at this thing. I've had seven years of advanced theological education on how to do church. 
Never once took a class on how to be a dad. They had three sessions of premarital counseling, so clearly I'm an expert on that. <laughs> Ironically, the thing that we really, I mean, if we're honest, the thing we really want to be good at, we don't get a lot of training for it. So today, we're starting a series called Building Faithful Families. And next week, we're going to talk about the women in our lives and the tremendous impact that women have made in the lives of our families uh, as next week is Mother's Day. Hey, guys, men, next week is Mother's Day. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) The following week is Pentecost, the birthday of the church. And on Pentecost, we're going to celebrate men, some of the men who have made tremendous Tremendous contributions to the church throughout history, things we can learn from them and ways we can emulate their activities to be better men. But today we start this series, Building Faithful Families, on this Confirmation Sunday. We begin by talking about our young people, our children, because today we're going to confirm 27 new Christians Confirm them here in the church of Jesus Christ at Ebenezer. Praise the Lord, right? And and they're our kids. And some of you are saying, they're not my kid. Yes, they are. Through the waters of our baptismal covenant, when those young people came through the waters, or this today, some seven of them are being baptized today, when they will come through those waters, they aren't, they're not just born into the ether, they're born into a new spiritual family. That's us. And what that means is it's not just poetry. It's true. Every woman in this room is in a way a mother. And every man in this room, in a way, is a father. God has given us these children. So here's how I want to frame our conversation today. I want to talk a little bit to the the younger folks in the room, a little bit to old fuddy-duddies like me. But I want to center it around the story of Joshua. Now, Joshua, the book of Joshua is one of the hardest books in the Bible to make sense of. I'm just going to tell you that right now. It's my reading, my devotional reading uh, virtually every January, I read back through the book of Joshua. It's got some beautiful wisdom and poetry in there. It's also got some really tough moments, and we'll talk about those in just a second. But here's what you got to know in order to start making sense of Joshua, is that before the book of Joshua is written was the time of Moses. And there's no way to overstate the importance of Moses in the history of the Israelite people. He fulfilled all three Israelite offices, prophet, priest, king. He was the greatest leader in the Old Testament. It's not even close. Moses was a fantastic leader, but at the beginning of the book of Joshua, Moses has just died. And so God commissions a new young leader by the name of Joshua. And I love the way that God commissions Joshua. God uses a formula to commission Joshua. God says, not once or twice, but four times, either from the mouth of God or the mouth of God's people, God says to Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Yeah, there are giants in those hills. Don't worry about it. You be strong and courageous. Life's not always going to be easy. Be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you. Be strong and courageous. Here's my question to watch this, us this morning, church. How do we help grow and nurture young people who are strong 
and courageous. One of the things that I love about our young people is that they bring a unique perspective to the world. Allow me to illustrate. My son Brock and I, he's six, we were recently watching the film Harry and the Hendersons. Anybody ever seen this movie? It's a movie, it's from the 1980s. It's a movie about the Henderson family and they adopt a Sasquatch who they subsequently named Harry. It's a great, cute little movie. Um, about halfway through the movie, I paused the film and I, I said, Brock, look at that thing, that big cream colored thing on the desk. That's what computers used to look like. And he looked at the screen, he looked at me, and he looked at the screen, he looked at me, and he said, Uh-uh. Hey, the thing is, like, I remember when computers were half the size of this room, right? And, and they've gotten smaller. I I've never could have imagined that I would hold as powerful a computer in the palm of my hand as I can hold today in my cell phone, right? My cell phone's more powerful than that big honking computer was <laughs> on the desk when I was growing up. I, I can't imagine computers getting much smaller, but all my son has ever known is a, a computer that fits in the palm of his hand. And so in Brock's mind, Brock can see computers getting even smaller and smaller. My point is to say our children have a remarkable, remarkable gift when it comes to their perspective because they can see things that the rest of us simply cannot see. Let me give you an example of a way that this can happen. Do any of you remember, are any of you old enough to remember being as a part of, uh, in elementary school, of nuclear warfare drills? Some of you will remember this. Like a tornado drill or a fire drill, when I was in school, we had to drill in case a nuclear device detonated outside of the school. Does anybody remember the protocol for staying safe? What were you supposed to do? Anybody remember? Get under your desk. (laughs) Nuclear bomb just detonated outside, but it's cool. (laughs) I'm under my desk. (laughs) It's, it wasn't the most reassuring drill that we ever did, right? At least with a tornado drill, you're in the hallway. But there's this little girl named Samantha Smith. Here's a picture of her. She's the little girl there on the right. In 1982, at the age of 10, Samantha Smith went through one of these nuclear war drills. And she saw the ridiculousness of it. And so she she wrote a letter to a guy named Yuri Andropov, who at the time happened to be the premier of the Soviet Union. And... uh I'd, I'd like to read you this, this letter that she wrote to him that subsequently got published in a Soviet newspaper. Here's what she said. Dear Mr. Andropov, my name is Samantha Smith. I'm 10 years old. Congratulations on your new job. I've been worrying about Russia and the United States getting into a nuclear war. Are you going to vote to have a war or not? If you aren't, please tell me how you're going to help us not have a war. And this question you do not have to answer, but I would like to know why you want to conquer the world, or at least our country. God made the world for us to live together in peace and not to fight sincerely, Samantha Reed Smith. Uh, so 
Samantha writes this letter, no big deal, until the Soviet newspaper gets a hold of it. And then Yuri Andropov, premier of the Soviet Union, second most powerful cat in the world, is compelled to respond to this 10-year-old little American girl. And in the end, Yuri Andropov invites Samantha Smith to the Soviet Union to, to spend some time with her Soviet counterparts, some other children uh, in the Soviet Union. Now, within 10 years, Soviet Union is gone, and granted, they were probably... Uh, other things that caused it besides Samantha Smith's letter. But my point is to say this. I think for a 10-year-old girl to write a letter to the second most powerful man in the world, a man with whom we were engaged in something called the Cold War, is a good indication of someone being strong and courageous. At my last church, there was a, a young lady... When she was six years old, she went to school and she was talking with her classmates in her kindergarten class. And she said, uh, I'm very excited because this weekend is Easter. I'm going to get an Easter basket. And uh, she came home that afternoon in tears because she realized that like half the students in her class had never gotten an Easter basket. And she was six and she said to herself, You know, this injustice will not stand. So she started a six-year-old do. She started a a 501c3 not-for-profit organization. (laughs) And we think, oh, that's cute. They collect Easter baskets. When I left, granted, this is in the hills of Appalachia, right? Fairly economically depressed area. But when I left, when I left, the last year I left, right before we came here, that little girl collected 600 Easter baskets to give to students across that community. Strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Today we have almost 30 students joining our church. After today, they will be full members of Ebenezer Church. And you know what the most important thing that our young people can do? The most important thing that any member of a church can do. It's not about being here every time the doors are open or tithing, though I'm in favor of being here a lot and tithing. I try to model that. But the most important thing that we can do as members of Christ church is to try to participate in spiritual disciplines such that we have an increasingly mature faith and what i see a lot and we all can see this we see a lot is immature faith and i see some middle schoolers with immature faith and i see some high schoolers with immature faith and i see some people with gray hair with an immature faith and one of the differences between an immature faith and a mature faith is an immature faith will see an injustice somewhere in the world and our young people are particularly good at this because of their unique perspective we see an injustice somewhere in the world but an immature faith will look at that injustice identify that it is an injustice and then complain about it i can't believe that's the way things are over there i can't believe it's how it went down over here an immature faith sees a problem and complains about it and here's the real challenge with the immature faith the real challenge of an immature faith is that it gives us a false sense of moral superiority i see an injustice i've named that it was wrong therefore i must be better than other people who don't see that it's wrong So what? The difference between an immature faith and a mature faith, a mature faith will see an injustice in this world. 
We'll become educated about why it's an injustice, and then we'll take steps to try and correct that injustice. That's what mature faith does. And so, one of the things that I would say to our young people here today, whether you are young in body or young in faith, if I'm a young person or not so young person and we find ourselves complaining about the state of the world, today is the day to grow up. Not simply to acknowledge the injustice, but to become educated about the injustice and to change it. That's what it looks like to be strong and courageous. I want to talk to the old fuddy-duddies in the room like me for just a moment. Um, One of the things that's, that's really important to me is making sure that I'm disciplining my children. As a parent, it's important to me that my children are well Discipline. We know this, right? We know that if we're not disciplining our children, we are setting them up for failure in the world. But one of the things I think about is, how do I discipline my precious treasures well without kind of conquering their spirit, right? In other words, I can't really raise strong and courageous children if every time my children try to step out of the box, I push them back in the box. Are you with me? So... One of the things that I, I find in myself, particularly earlier in my parenting career, and I've been doing this for a whopping six years, so I know all about it, right? But here's, here's one of the things I have learned just from watching myself. I used to think as a parent that if I needed to discipline my, ch- my child, if I needed to ratchet up the discipline, then I needed to also turn down the affection and encouragement. That was kind of dumb. I would, I would discipline my child. I would say, you made this mistake. Here's your punishment. Now go away. I'm still not a perfect parent, but I have learned this. I have learned that if I am going to turn up the discipline, I also need to turn up the encouragement and affection. For two reasons. One, I never want my children to think that the only reason daddy loves them is because they have done what daddy thought they should do. I want my children to know that my love for them is an unconditional love, just like my Heavenly Father's love for me is an unconditional love. But here's the other thing I found, and this is the kicker. I found that when I turn up the discipline and the encouragement, that the discipline is more effective in terms of modifying their behavior. So here's what it looks like. My child will do something wrong. I'll call them to me. I'll say, you did something wrong. Uh, here's your punishment. You lose your tablet for a week. And it used to be the end of the conversation, but, but now I will call them to my arms and I'll tell them, I did it just yesterday, just yesterday. We were in a store. Corrected my child. I punished my child. I brought them to me. I said, you're, you're beautiful and I love you and I'm proud of you and I know you're going to do better next time. Because here's the thing. God has called us to help raise children who are strong, to help raise children who are courageous. And we want to make sure that when they come to us and they say, I I want to give Easter baskets to the kids in my school, or I want to write a letter to Vladimir Putin, or I want to change the world somehow, we want to make certain that we have not broken their spirit. We want to make certain that we have given our children every opportunity to be successful in this world, to be strong and courageous. 
And so if we turn up the discipline, we must also turn up the encouragement. And have you ever thought about what the world, the word encourage literally means? The word to encourage, it means literally to place courage into someone. When we encourage our young people, we are placing courage in their lives. One final note to our young ones here today. I challenge you like Joshua to be strong and courageous. I do. I challenge you to use your unique perspective to do more than complain about the world, but instead to be educated about the injustices you see and then to take actions to correct those injustices. But I mentioned earlier that Joshua was a difficult book, and it is. It's a book of conquest. It's a book of bloodshed and war. One caution I would offer to our strength and courage is this. Young people, in the midst of eradicating the injustices we see in the world, we must take care never to become injustice ourselves. Let me illustrate it by showing you this passage from Joshua chapter 5. Joshua uh, was by Jericho and he looked up and he saw a man standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you one of us or one of our adversaries? And the man replied, Neither, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. What, is, what does this passage mean? I think it's, I think it's really interesting. Here's Joshua. He's in the midst of, of a battle, in the midst of a book about battles. And all of a sudden, God kind of shows up, a representative of heaven. And so Joshua walks up to the guy, not knowing exactly who he is. He says, are you on my side or are you on the other person's side? Are you for me and against them or are you for them and against me? And I love what the representative of heaven says, neither. But I'm here. Are you for me or for them? And God says neither. My friends, God is rarely the general who leads us onto the field of battle to vanquish our enemies. God is far more likely to be the parent on the side of the battlefield weeping because his children keep beating each other to death. Young people, I commission you today to be strong and courageous, but to do so without ever falling prey to the idea that God is always and only on your side. Because here's something you need to know about a good parent. A good parent wants all of their children to be successful, all of them. A good parent wants all of their children to know that they are loved. They want them to find a place where they belong. They want to experience a sense of true purpose in their lives. And God wants the same thing for all of God's children. So when you go forth from this place and see an injustice, don't complain about it. Become educated about it. Take action to change it. But do so without falling prey to the idea that God has sent you to conquer Because the simple truth is this. The work of the church is not simply to change circumstances in the world. We're not just another social justice organization. The true work of the church is transforming hearts. And my brothers and sisters, to transform hearts takes strength and courage. So we must be strong and courageous.
To our young people here today, I need you to know that the church of Jesus Christ needs you. We need you to grow in your connection with Christ. We need you to bring your best ideas and perspectives to the table. I need you to know that you are not the church of tomorrow. You are the church of right now. And we need you. We need you to invest in the great ministries here at Ebenezer. We need you to spend time in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit transforming hearts. We need you to help us become even better at being a place where Jesus Christ changes lives. So be strong and courageous. There are going to be some mountains. God will help you over them, so be strong and courageous. There may be some giants on top of those mountains. God will help you defeat them. Be strong and courageous. Life will not always be easy, so be strong and courageous. The Lord your God is with you. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Because this world needs the church. And young people, the church of Jesus Christ needs you. Praise the Lord. And amen. Would you pray with me? Holy God, I thank you for the young people in the room today. I thank you for the the gift that they are to this world. I thank you for the presence and power that you have in their lives. I ask, oh God, that you would help our young people to experience the gift of your grace. I pray that you would help them to know that they are called to a mature faith, a mature faith that uses their unique perspective, not simply to complain about the things in this world, but to change the things in this world to change circumstances, and by your Spirit to change hearts. I pray that you would empower parents and grandparents and friends to be the kind of mentors in our students' lives that allows them to grow in their strength and courage. That when we turn up the discipline, we'd also turn up the encouragement and love. Help us never to become the injustices that we fight and instead... So always do great things that bring glory to your name. Thank you for the opportunity to dream about stronger, more faithful families. Bless our children, we pray. In the name and to the glory of Christ Jesus. Amen.